Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. Now, normally we try to do a podcast two, three times a week, although you probably will have noticed already that during the coronavirus lockdown, we've only been doing one episode a week. We hope to change that soon. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. But the best way to keep up to date with the latest podcast episodes is to subscribe. And while you're there, why not drop us a review? It really does help other people who might enjoy the podcast find us. I'm Ben James. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just before we begin, a massive apologies for the lack of an episode last week. Uh, unfortunately, we just did not have time to get one turned around. Uh, I myself was back home in sunny Mid Wales, hence the lack of an episode. But as promised on Twitter, we are back this week with a guest in tow, and it's none other than former Wales coach and current Ospreys development director, Mike Ruddock. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation we had with Mike. Right then, uh, Mike, it's um, great to have you on the Welsh Rugby Podcast. First of all, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, mate. Uh, apart from a, a bit of an old back niggle that uh, resurfaced due to lockdown, I uh, I decided to get the bike out and um, I put a few miles on the bike, uh, much to the dismay of my back tyre. And uh, unfortunately, my back, lower back packed in, courtesy of a few old rugby injuries and a few industrial injuries. So... Uh, I'm recovering from that, um, so hopefully back on the bike in a couple of weeks' time. So it was. My next question was going to be, how did you find lockdown? But uh, by the sounds of it, uh, <laughs> quite strenuous. Yeah, yeah, lockdown. Uh, well, you, you know, it's, I tell you what I have done uh, as well. Uh, now I couldn't sign or go to the gym. was um, in the mornings I've been walking down to the local beach here in, uh, in Langland Bay and uh, got back into getting into the water which I haven't done for many, many years. So uh, every morning I've been doing a little city swim, uh, which has been good for my back. So um, that's been good. And I uh, really enjoyed that, getting that out of the way uh, early in the morning, getting the dog out as well. Um, so it's reconnected me to some very simple things in life, uh, Ben, but uh, some enjoyable things as well. Yeah, I think that's probably been sort of the effect for a lot of people, hasn't it? It's just how yeah. how much we take for granted in life. Um now, in terms of rugby, now we are sort of back on on the precipice of it returning. So, uh, I guess that's been quite exciting from from your point of view. Yeah, it, well, it has, and uh, for a number of reasons. Obviously, uh, you know, as a dad, my 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 son Reese is a professional player over in Leinster, so obviously he's uh, he's had no rugby for you know for quite a number of months. So I'm able to sort of watch him play. Uh, I know he's back in training. So, for, as you know, as a dad and sort of following my son's career, it's great to see that he's got a chance to, you know, to get back into rugby uh, in Ireland. And obviously, you know, from a professional point of view, now my involvement uh, in the Ospreys will be ongoing for a while. Um, it's great to have that connection uh, with the Ospreys. And um, and obviously, after a number of months of, of sort of hard work, we've we've had to take up... Um, uh, and get ourselves organised into take up a big challenge really to get ourselves organised into a new training base at St Helens uh, home of Swansea Rugby Club so we moved from our Landarcy Centre that was taken over as a as a Covid overflow hospital so you can imagine um, the transition involved and the challenge involved in, in sort of trying to set up a brand new training facility elsewhere uh, and still keeping sort of high standards uh, around our high performance uh, systems, so that's been uh, that's been a big challenge, and um, 
the Osprey staff have been involved with that. The directors, people like Ian Morgan in particular, who's got incredible uh, experience and knowledge of construction. He's been very um, influential in helping us to to relocate back to uh, to Swansea Rugby Club and obviously Swansea Rugby Club themselves, Swansea City Council. There's been a huge uh, amount of work really to to get that project up and running. Uh, but also then with our new coaches coming in, Toby Booth, Brock James, and some new players coming in, and uh, a real keenness as well to promote a lot of our academy players to train with the first team. Uh, we're really, really excited now about the vibe that we've got going in our new training venue. Touching on, on the new coaches, obviously I think it's probably a sort of symptom of Welsh rugby. Whenever new coaches come in from abroad, there's there's, there's often complaints uh, about the fact that Welsh coaches aren't getting that jobs, but I mean, I know there are both your appointments are from abroad, but you've, you've got a nice mix there, haven't you? You know, with with some homegrown coaches learning the ropes, and then you're bringing in someone like Brock James and to- Toby Booth. One hundred percent, and that's you know that's that blend is exactly what we were looking for. Um, and we've got some great young coaches um, in the Ospreys, and obviously we've got uh, people like James Hook that. Looks like he's going to be transitioning into the coaching environment as well as an ex-player, Osprey sort of uh, legend, really. So, great mix. We've got Toby Booth, who's massively experienced at the top, hugely respected, uh, you know, very, very um, intelligent, coach, open-minded. He's a real energizer, um, knows his stuff inside out. So, you know, it's been great to, to get him on board. And I know the boys are really enjoying working with him at the moment. Uh, Brock James... Really impressed us. Uh, we talked to a lot of coaches. We had a lot of time uh, during the lockdown to talk to a lot of people, talk to a lot of coaches, talk to a lot of people that were interested in the role at the Ospreys. And Brock emerged as a, as a really, really uh, sort of great fit, if you like, a really strong candidate. And he emerged as a great fit uh, for us. And then underpinning that, we had some, uh, you know, some some fantastic. Homegrown Welsh uh, qualified uh, coaches, if you like, in terms of uh, Duncan Jones, people like Duncan Jones, Richard Fussell, who were very active uh, with the first team. We got people like Paul James as well, and uh, Bish as well um, in in the academy. So look, we've got we got lots of guys there that um, are going to learn a lot from Toby Booth, and I think that was the big thing for us as well. Um, we want to create a learning environment and. Um, we felt that Toby Booth would uh, would help create that big time. I, I believe you, you've spoken elsewhere about how important it is that um, Toby Booth sort of gets you know three years in the job to sort of show what he can do, which seems seems a fairly sort of obvious thing in coaching in rugby. The minute you look at sort of the coaches who have been successful, Pat Lamb won the Pro Twelve title with Connacht in his third year. Pivac won the the Pro Twelve with Scarlets in his third year. But for for a lot of reasons, a lot of coaches in Welsh rugby in the last couple of seasons, haven't had the chance to get to that third year, have they? No, that's true. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a tough gig. You know, coaching at a professional level is a tough gig and there's a lot of variables and you need a lot of, you know, really important skills, you know, on the field, off the field. You need a lot of support systems uh, to make it work. But you also need to be realistic about where you are as well. And uh, I think at the Ospreys, we are realistic. We... We have been the most successful region in Wales, but we're not kidding ourselves. Uh, you know, we need to up our game and move forward, really, in a in a very sort of cohesive manner. 
uh, and we realise that it's going to take two or three years to get us back really where we want to be on a consistent basis. So, uh, you know, that's why it was important, A, to get the right guy, which we're absolutely convinced we've got the right guy, and two, uh, B, if you like, to, to make sure we support that guy and give him every chance really uh, to uh, develop processes, systems, a game plan um, that will allow us really to be competitive going forward. And, um, you know, we, we realise there's no big quick fix, particularly on the backdrop that we have at the moment with uh, reduced income streams, um, the COVID backdrop, obviously the the, the potential for, for, for games behind closed doors will again will affect uh, income streams. The big thing is to get the coaching right, get our uh, player development program and pathways spot on and they're not far away at all and encourage youngsters to come through the system and they're very, very good coaches. So, we think that's going to take, you know, three years really for us to fully um, establish the model in the way we want it. Um, with a bit of luck, though, we'll see some massively improved performances in the short and medium term, as well as the long term, uh, which we we know uh, we're absolutely going to get. I suppose that that ties in quite nicely to the to the role that you've taken on now, a different role, and announced last week um, a new three year deal for yourself. Um, sort of moving more towards the development side and uh, uh, just explain sort of what you're going to be doing in that role. Yeah, look, I'm in my 60s now. I did 34 years consecutively uh, every season coaching. Um, so when I came to help out the Ospreys, you know, the, the chats we had was, you know, I'm not really looking to, to stay involved as a director of rugby or as a head coach. I've run my race. Um, but I also feel as though I've got a lot of experience, a lot of... Um, know-how learned uh, <laughs> at the cold face uh, from 34 years of consecutive coaching at all sorts of levels. So, you know, I want to give a little bit back. The Ospreys want to keep those uh, skills and competencies in the in the organisation. So it was mutually beneficial for, you know, for both parties. We need to stay on and um, get involved overseeing, overlooking, helping, supporting um, the Ospreys development pathway, which I have to say is excellent. Um, you know, we got people like Gareth Walters who heads up our academy. Uh, our rugby general manager Dan Griffiths does a fantastic job. Um, so really, I'm there to support all those things. I'm there to reach out to schools. I'm there to reach out to uh, net my network, uh, universities, colleges, uh, to let people know that we're deadly serious in the Ospreys about developing talent, and um, you know, to to make people realise really that. Um, we're building something that uh, if a youngster's got aspirations to, to become a professional player, that uh, you know our um, organisation is one that should be considered. How sort of similar is that to um, maybe some of the work you did when you were at Lansdowne? So I've, I've seen a lot of people sort of talking about just the the, um, the excellent work you did with a lot of their young players who, who went on to play for Leinster. Well, there's some similarities, but it is very, very different. Um, obviously, I was very hands-on uh, as Lansdowne coach. Um, you know, I was the head coach. Uh, I organised the coaching throughout the club. Um, and obviously, I was the scrum coach, line-up coach, attack coach, back coach, breakdown coach, kickoff coach, you name it, I coached it. Um, and I loved getting back on the tools because sometimes, and very often, as any head coach or director of rugby would tell you, and even the international coaches, uh, and I've been there, very often when you're an international coach or head coach, director of rugby, you get further and further away from the tools because you end up 
um, having lots of specialist guys around you, and um, you know you, you get involved in a lot of the bigger, the bigger picture vision uh, sort of parts of the job, and obviously the major part of the job always is selection. So I've managed to um, obviously do that for 34 years, and now I've moved. I've left that to Toby. I'm there to support him uh, if he needs that. So it's sort of different from what I've done in Lansdowne in that um, I was very hands-on. But I always obviously got involved in our recruitment policy as well um, and helping to, you know, to, to sort of develop young players. And we were we had a great, uh, we had a very successful time, not only on the field, winning three All-Island Leagues and the All-Island Cup, plus numerous provincial Leinster Leagues and Leinster Cups. Um, and bearing in mind, Lansdowne had never won the All-Island League before, so I'm very proud of that. And uh, I'm very honoured to have coached uh, Lansdowne, and I'm, I'm delighted, obviously, when they offered me uh, life membership. So uh, that was very good of them, because... Uh, in coaching, there's a number of ways you can depart, and uh, it's nice when you get a life membership rather than a P45. So I was really pleased with that. Um, and I got to work with a lot of fantastic young players, James Ryan, current Irish, Shaq and Rowe, Max Deegan, current Irish uh, number eight flanker, for example, John Cooney, the uh, Ulster scrum half, uh, Island nine, Gary Ringrose. Uh, I got to work with guys like him in the under 20s. So between Lansdowne and the under 20s, most of those guys... Uh, I've got to work with. Um, so, you know, I saw the power. I saw the, um, uh, you know, the continuity behind 10 years of massive player development, both for Irish rugby uh, through the island under 20s and in the clubs and the provinces. But also I got to see it from Lansdowne, where we showcased a lot of young players' talents and they went on to become professional players. So I'm very passionate about that. I think I've got a lot of experience in that and, and um, understand that. And I want to help not only the Ospreys there, but some of our sort of local clubs as well. Um, I want to talk to those clubs about my experiences there and see if there's anything that they can uh, take from that in their own uh, processes and player development pathways in the clubs as well as within our organisation. So uh, I guess that's where I'm headed uh, with this one. As you say, you left Lansdowne on good terms, which is... Not always the case for a coach, but when, when you did that, uh, when you did leave last year, um, I suppose f- first of all, did you ever think it, w- it would happen that you'd come back to Wales to work I- I- in Welsh rugby? Yeah, as the years went by, I probably thought I, I wouldn't. No, um, as I said, I was getting on a bit, going into my sixties, and uh, you know, it's a younger man's game now in terms of coaching. The hours you've got to put in, the you know, the energy you've got to have, um, the enthusiasm. Uh, you know, is massive. So, you know, there comes a, a sort of a peak point where you're at the top of your game um, and and obviously you're at the top of your energy and then there's probably a, a time where you're going on the way down. So, you know, I needed to recognise that, but I can still recognise that uh, I had experiences, if you like, and, um, you know, uh, well, rugby experiences as well, I thought would add value to the Osprey. So, Look, this development role, both in terms of connecting uh, with the, you know, the region and the clubs and the schools and the um, universities in the region, etc., you know, is really important. Further afield, um, as well in the UK, our network uh, in the UK is massive. And in fact, this week, <laughs> I've had contacts from people in Russia and Holland about the Ospreys. Um, 
trying to help uh, some you know player development pathways in Russia, in uh, in Holland as well. Um, and just the other week, I did a presentation via my good friend Kingsley Jones to the Canadian Rugby Union. So, you know, part of my network is promoting the Ospreys abroad as well. So uh, I think there are great opportunities there, and that ties in superbly with our new investor, James Yandel, who's very, very keen to promote the Ospreys uh, globally as well. So I think there could be some big things happening for us. And, um, you know, it's part of my role to stay involved with the with rugby and support Toby Booth, um, he's you know I believe he's going to do a great job. But support our our development pathways within the region, but obviously to extend our development uh, sort of awareness uh, outside of the region as well. We'll get on to the the, uh, the new owners um, in a little bit. I suppose the second part to that that question about you leaving Lansdowne and coming to the uh, to the Ospreys is just just what was it like when you did. Um, rock up in, in Swansea last December because I imagine you know probably it wasn't ideal was it you know it was only seven months removed from from the merger that nearly went through and it was the second time in a couple of years that the Ospreys had lost a coach fairly early in the season so I suppose as stepping into an environment that must have been tough it was tough um, but not just for me but for everyone really and uh, supporters as well uh, I have to tell you you know and I can't hide from the fact that there seemed to be a big, a big cloud hanging over the Ospreys at that time, and um, you know the magnitude of the job was 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 there, were very visible in front of me. Um, and in fact, I did, I did sort of wonder whether uh, or not to stay on, and I was convinced to stay on by some dear friends at the Ospreys and uh, some people around me, uh, because it was a, a very big job, very daunting job to try and. Um, Look at a pathway of how the Ospreys could put some of the of that black cloud, if you like, uh, behind them. So, um, thanks to the support of people like Andrew Millwood, Dan Griffiths, Roger Blythe, Mike James, Rob Davis, uh, Chris Richards, Ian Morgan, those sort of people on the board as well. Um, I was able to put some um, uh, to put some actions into place. One of which was uh, to instigate a helmsman group um so with the help of steve melly who's our sports psychologist at the at the ospreys we we formed a a group of about 30 people involving the um the directors of the club the heads of the department in business and in uh, rugby some some players across cross section of players senior players some young players um we had the head of conditioning in the head of analysis in the head of marketing in and basically, we we brainstormed over three or four sessions. Really, um, you know what what had gone well for us in the Ospreys over time, because it's easy when you're in a a bit of a dark place to to just focus on the you know the negative aspects. But we realised we've got a fantastic uh, record in Welsh and uh, you know Celtic rugby. We we're still the most successful uh, Welsh region. Uh, we've produced a lot of players for Wales. Uh, we've got a great community program. So. You know, there's lots of things we need to pat ourselves on the back about and remember how we achieved those things and uh, all the hard work and dedication that went into that. So we revisited those. But then we were also very honest with ourselves and we looked at um, what we needed to do to, what we need to work on, what we need to do to improve and to get ourselves out of this troubled time that we were in, really. And uh, we were very honest. We had a very sort of good look at ourselves. We had lots of uh, input, obviously, from 
all the different um, aspects of the club, from the directors, from the players, from the heads of department, and we were very, very honest with ourselves. And to summarise, really, we realised that you know uh, we need to be better with our internal communications. We needed to uh, to be more unified, if you like, and 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 we put solutions really to some of the difficulties and problems we highlighted and over time over the course of those three or four sessions we started to plot a way forward and to see a future and um, on the back of that then I was able to go and uh, and to look for a new head coach and to sort of shape the coaching uh, uh, model uh, to take us forward in line with the you know the values that we'd examined um, uh, during our helmsman group uh, meetings and the vibe started to change things started to pick up I remember us beating Ulster uh, before the lockdown, and you could start to see the boys really, um, you know, getting an idea of of this this ship was 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 turning and, and starting to aim in a more positive direction. And uh, I think everyone felt that. And now with this new training venue, some new players and new coaches, uh, I, the the vibe of training I can tell you is is considerably different and uh, hugely positive. And to sort of summarise and answer your question. Yes, it was it was difficult in December, January, but I'm I'm massively um, enthused by what I'm seeing and the, the the difference in the vibe that I feel now whenever I visit the training centre. But when you when you talk about those meetings where you sort of look back on maybe some of the things you've done well and some of the things you haven't and try sort of assess where the mistakes have been made, how how far back do you go with that? Because if you consider the Ospreys have had, had two coaches depart in sort of a short space of time of four or five seasons is it is do you go do you go as far back as that sort of Steve Tandy's time because then maybe you sort of see where mistakes were repeated and 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 maybe where you know some things that were were done twice weren't weren't necessarily mistakes well there were no timelines on this uh you know it was it was a matter of throwing everything out there on the table and being open and honest as we could you know there was uh there was no sort of boundaries in terms of timelines. You know, uh, it was it was right the way throughout anybody's time in the region. Any difficulties that have arisen were aid, um, talked through. Um, we considered then how we might or might not have been able to do things better, put solutions into how we would try and avoid uh, any sort of mistakes along that line or any uh, things that we could do better along those lines, if you like, going forward. And uh, it was all... It was all very constructive, um, but it was deadly serious, really, for us to get better. Now, there'll always be a few mistakes on the rugby field. There'll always be a knock-on. There'll always be a missed tackle. Um, there's no getting away with that, and there'll always be a few mistakes, you know, off the field. That's that's we're all humans, and that's the way things go. But obviously, what we are trying to do is make it as systematic uh, as possible, and to make it as comprehensively well thought out as possible, so that. Um, we can be um, as e- as efficient and effective as possible going forward. And then, as you say, it did, it did certainly feel like the Ospreys have turned somewhat of a corner. Uh, you, you've obviously seen it yourself in terms of the training setup, and, and now, you know, new coaches and everything. It, it feels like the pieces are sort of in place um, for the future to be a bit more optimistic. And, and then you, you mentioned the... Um, uh, the new owners. Um, obviously, they were announced. I think it was back in May. They were announced, weren't they? Which uh, I think probably caused quite a surprise when that was announced. Yeah, it was because uh, obviously it was a you know starting to get into a situation where there was a backdrop of of COVID and um, you know people 
you know, the CBC sort of uh, um, arrangement was coming in, but there was doubt over that because of of COVID and, and, and some of the difficulties around income streams. So, um, yeah, look, uh, James Yandel, who sort of is the new sort of investor, really, um, together with his, 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 his partner in, in business uh, at Y11, they've come in and, um, and obviously they're very, very aware of the history of the, of the region and the potential of the region and uh, the people at the region. And uh, they did a massive amount of due diligence and they were comfortable and uh, happy to, you know, to get invest, to invest and to get involved, um, you know, for the, for, for all the right reasons going forward. So we were delighted with that. And James's father back in the day played for, for Swansea uh, rugby club. So he's got a, a very tangible link to um, to to the Ospreys region, and in fact was uh, born and raised I think, in Pontedowie. So um, yeah, very very uh, well connected to the Ospreys region. So there's an emotional attachment to him, and I think that's uh, if he's talking to him, he's very very passionate about the region and uh, developing rugby in the region. So and globally. So I think that's you know again a, a perfect fit for us and. Um, you know his enthusiasm rubs off on everyone, and uh, you know everyone's enthused by his uh, his alignment. How, how much interaction have you had with him, and, and, and how do you sort of what's what's the what, what do you see their vision sort of being for the future? Because since the announcement, we haven't, there hasn't really been sort of too much in in the media and in, in the sort of public domain in terms of uh, of them putting anything out. So it's been fairly quiet. But um, I, I imagine it's 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 fairly positive, you know, moving forward, isn't it? Oh, massively positive. And, um, uh, well, James is based in, uh, in Bangkok. So, uh, uh, so I think it's, uh, the timelines don't always align, but, um, well, we do get to talk with him. He's, he's incredibly articulate and passionate about the region. Um, he's got some big plans for the region and he can't wait to get over here. Really. I think it's obviously again, with the backdrop, things are difficult. So, uh, in my old age, I've become uh, a little bit of an expert now on Zoom meetings. So uh, I think I've had three Zoom meetings with uh, with James Yandel to to discuss things like our development pathway, our re- recruitment uh, processes. Um, you know, James wanted to learn more about those things. Um, he's had another. He's had a, a meeting with the players to outline his his vision to the players. So he's been hugely well received, very proactive, and um, you know he's. As you say, immensely passionate about his involvement with the Ospreys, and we're all delighted with that. Certainly sounds um, like there's some positive times ahead then for the Ospreys. Um, we we can certainly hope so. Um, well, I think we know we've got a lot of work to do on and yeah. off the field. Yeah, this is only like you said, we're all, we're only just trying to turn that rudder and steer that ship uh, in, in in the right direction. But um, you know, there's going to be a transition, and there's going to be time we've got to get behind Toby and supporters coaching team and the players uh, but hopefully then we'll start to make some headway and perhaps pick up some uh, you know some some momentum and a rate of knots then so I think it's uh, you know we're realistic as well that we you know we need to uh, you know we need to sort of make sure that uh, people understand that um, our expectations are incremental improvements really rather than everyone expecting suddenly we're going to uh, be uh, you know league leaders straight away. So it'd be nice if we did. I remember when I came into Swansea all those years ago, and Swansea had finished last but one. 
I remember saying at the supporters meeting uh, before the uh, season started that I expected us to be a top four team. I remember my wife saying, uh, uh, after the meeting, are you sure um, <laughs> that you're going to get to that level? And uh, um, uh, then we end up winning the league that season. So, uh, you know, much to my delight, obviously, but uh, to surprise as well. So, look, it can happen. Things like that happen. Uh, and can happen quickly, but at, at where we're at at the moment, we're all very re- realistic, and we think it's going to take a little bit of time before we uh, we can expect to be right towards the top end of the table. I suppose when when Toby was uh, hired, I suppose the one spanner in the works that you could never predicted was the fact that within a month or so, the season would be virtually written off through the COVID pandemic, and and, and that's just another spanner in the works when it comes to rugby and how that moves forward. Yeah, look, and, uh, you know, you're right in some of your earlier points that you raised in the questions about perhaps the lack of stability at the off- Ospreys over, over some time with coaches as well. And that's why we're keen to give Toby those three years and support him. And that's why, you know, we are tempering our expectations straight away. Um, you know, uh, Toby's having to train with the players now in small groups at the moment. He's getting to know his players. He's got some youngsters in there as well. Um, you know, the reality is by the time he... Is able to train fully with the team uh, due to you know getting through the different stages of the COVID return to play protocols. Uh, he'll only have a week or two with those players before he goes into a, a full-on regional sort of competition uh, without any warm-up games. So you know <laughs> that's a tough ask for any new coach against the stability that a lot of the other coaches uh, coaching models would have. You know, so um, you know we're all being very realistic. It'd be fantastic if we turn around and win every game, but. You know, our our expectations really are for Toby to get to know his players in August, uh, get to see them in action, get to sort of understand what he what they're about, what he can and can't do in, in terms of his game plan. And then, you know, as and when we start the following season, um, really to be in a good shape to, to start to kick on then, you know. Now, ending over and above that will be fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and then finally, um, I'm not sure if you saw, one of my colleagues did a piece during lockdown about um, about that infamous Gareth Thomas Scrum 5 uh, show back in 2006. Um, uh, and, and part of it was Gareth Thomas revealing that uh, uh, him and yourself were, were sat on a, on a plane together to Dublin earlier this year. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we were. Was that Six Nations, was that, or...? Uh, no, I don't. It was. Uh, I think Gareth was doing a talk to uh, motivational talk to to uh, uh, some sort of convention that day. I think I'd been back with the family situation. I think so. Yeah, we bumped into each other. It's good to see him. Um, listen, mate, I moved on from two thousand and five, uh, and you know it was good to see you know my former captain there. And uh, obviously, I'm delighted whenever I bump into any of my players and. Uh, I quite often do, actually. Um, there's quite a few of them that I get to see over the years, and uh, it's always good to see them. It's just funny how these things work out, and it being sat on the plane next to someone. Yeah, well, it's taken a few years, mate, before I caught up with Gareth, and uh, you know, so uh, I was hoping he might have uh, treated me to a sandwich on there. But of course, it's only a forty-minute to uh, only a forty-minute hop, skip, and jump back to uh, to Dublin, so we didn't have too much time to 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 get into the to the to the uh, the luxuries of. Uh, be able to sit down and relax over a little bit of food. Didn't treat you to duty free then instead. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Really appreciate you doing it. Thanks, thanks for coming on. 
always, man. 